Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the You've Got It podcast by Ashio. In the first episode, I talked about decisions and the importance of making them. How everything we do starts with a decision, whether we know it or not. How not making a decision can leave one in a state of confusion. And how making decisions in advance and with intention can facilitate and take care of a lot of situations. For the second episode, I was thinking about different topics to discuss, and I had a few ideas. But just this past week, I was in Dallas with family, including my parents. As always, it was great to be with family. And I got to spend time with my nieces, whom I love dearly. But I also fell back into certain patterns, which I noticed more so than before. Family dynamic can sometimes be triggering. And I noticed a pattern spending time with my family, especially my parents. I thought thought about doing an episode on it, but because I think it has more of a negative connotation, I decided that I don't want to spend too much time talking about it. Instead, I want to use it as a segue. Essentially, my dad being the patriarch of the family, he has a tendency of criticizing people, whether it's with doing a project or even just in everyday life. He tends to point out the negative so much that it seems like pointing a finger about someone doing something wrong all the time. And often he would justify it as him having experience and trying to guide other people. So even though he may be with good intentions, I think it's problematic because it's always alluding to the negative. I try to put myself in a positive mental state. So I see a lot of the criticism as beating down on people mentally and making them feel unfit or inadequate. And so I want to protect my energy and the types of talks and conversations that I have. I don't want people telling me that I'm unfit or just criticize me instead of encouraging me or supporting me. You know, I'm not saying that I I do not welcome constructive feedback, not at all. I'm talking about a pattern of constant criticism, whereas even if it's a project, it's always about pointing out the negative. See, I think no project is perfect. No single idea is perfect. So if you want to look for the negative, you will always find it. You know, even the greatest discoveries, the greatest inventions had a lot of holes at their inception until they became something great for humanity or changed the world. So you can decide to focus on the negative or decide or focus on the positive. I think all lies into self-confidence and self-belief. I think criticizing people non-stop is, is telling them that they are unfit. And that damages people's self-confidence instead of building it. Again, I don't want to focus on negativity. But I wanted to talk about it to one, think of how to improve the situation, and two, Use it as a segue to talk about self-image. As far as making it better, a solution I thought about conveying to my dad is this. Consider you are God. The thoughts you have and the words you speak matter. So the way you talk to people, the way you talk to your children, how does that impact them? Does it hurt them or does it help them? What kind of words do you use to encourage them, to uplift them? And the other idea that I have is to write him, in a, to write him a letter. And I think that's what I'm going to do. And the reality is that there's more to the story. 
you know i'm already talking about it more than i wanted to but this aspect is important i also noticed that when i get into that dynamic i get into a mental state where i'm also criticizing my dad even though it's something i don't want to do but even me complaining about him criticizing other people is me doing the same thing i reproach him of doing <laughs> and i love and i and i admire my dad he has a lot of great qualities right but often when i talk with my siblings about my dad it's often about criticism and complaining about him never being satisfied going back into the same dynamic and even when i have conversations with my dad it's often him complaining about one of my siblings other than that you know sometimes i don't even have much conversations with my father so i wonder how he talks about me to my siblings <laughs> you know Well, in reality, I don't wonder. I have a pretty good idea, right? But I mean, that's unfortunate. And I really want to change that dynamic. I'm not sure if what I'm saying makes sense. Maybe someone else can relate. Maybe someone some, someone else has a, an idea on how to improve that situation. I would actually love to hear some thoughts on this. But really, I just hope I can make him aware. And maybe just maybe we can all become a little more mindful of how we talk to each other or about each other. Anyway, even though today I wanted even though I wanted today's episode to be about something more constructive, I think it's important to notice these things sometimes and um, and become aware of it because that's how you can start making a change and heal from a situation. But again, I wanted to talk about other topics, something more constructive. And the first thing I wanted to talk about is um how most people create their reality through their five senses. See, our five senses are like antennas through which we get information from the world around us. And we are all familiar with the five senses, right? Touch, taste, smell, sight, and hearing. Through the five senses, we get information about the world we live in. And that's what most most people are familiar with as far as elements of the conscious mind. As when we get info through our five senses, we are conscious about the info we receive through them. But there are other factors besides the five sensory factors in our in our conscious mind which are just as important, if not more important in terms of creating a person's reality. And these are our higher faculties or mental faculties. There are six of them. They are your memory, your will, your perception, your reason, your intuition, and your imagination. Again, that's memory, will, perception, reason, intuition, and imagination. See, the problem is this. Most people are most people are only thought about the five senses growing up in school. And most people unfortunately create their reality using the five senses only. What does that mean? That means they look at the world around them and accept that as their reality and have the same type thoughts and emotions centered around the information they get through the, they get from the five senses. What does it mean? In other words, people see their circumstances and accept that as their reality. Because they get information from the five sensory factors, we live in a physical world and they accept that and keep recreating the five uh, the same reality pardon me what if we could use our six higher faculties to cre- to create a different reality instead 
you know, using the five senses, we create a reality from the outside in. But what if we could use the higher faculties to create a reality from the inside out? What does this mean? This means using your higher faculties, you could create a new reality regardless of your circumstances. Using your reason, you can accept or reject any idea. You know, this is not a new idea I just came up with. It's been around for centuries. The problem is that most people are not thought about this. People are not thought about the higher faculties and how to, use, how to use them. And in fact, I believe that's what's called thinking. I'm sure you've heard the quote, we become what we think about by Earl Nightingale. So what's thinking? See, we think in pictures. And a picture will generally create an emotion within you. Emotions live in the subconscious mind. Emotions are what take the picture that you hold in, your, in the conscious mind and links it to the subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind is where all your belief systems live. The sum of all your belief systems make up your self-image. And your belief system is what determines your paradigms, your behavior, and your habits. And your habits, your behavior, and your paradigms are what determine the results you get in life. Therefore, your results are directly correlated with your belief. And this applies to all aspects of your life, including relationships, money, career, health, fitness, and so on. In other words, nobody will outperform outperform their self-image. If you don't believe you can accomplish something, you will not be able to accomplish that something, right? If you don't believe you can do something, you probably won't even even take action to accomplish it. You take action when you believe you can do it. The people that succeed in life are people that have a strong self-image. Whether they say it out loud or they don't, It's a belief they have. See, I went to business school in one of the best programs in the world, i.e. business school in Madrid. And I did entrepreneurship. During my first class of entrepreneurship, I remember asking myself, as the the professor uh, started introducing herself, I asked myself the question, can you really teach entrepreneurship? And as soon as I asked that question to myself, I already, knew, I already knew the answer. I knew the answer right then and there. So I asked myself another question. What really makes a successful entrepreneur? Now I'm going to answer these two questions, okay? To address, to address the first question, right? Can you really teach entrepreneurship? I mean, yes, you can look at past cases because the, that's, by the way, that's how most entrepreneurship classes are taught. We look at past cases and analyze them, but it's always in retrospect, in hindsight. It's easy to look at any situation and analyze, and analyze it in hindsight, right? Hindsight is always 2020, meaning you know you can always see clearly based on the facts because you already know the, the outcome. So it's easy to look at the facts and circumstances and determine what sets of behaviors or actions create a positive or negative result. But the reality is also that it is, it is very unlikely that any two entrepreneurs will be, will be faced with the same facts and circumstances. There are so many variables like location, 
industry, times, backgrounds, individual consciousness, collective consciousness, social and geopolitical circumstances, and so on. So the decision made by one entrepreneur may not yield the result, the same results for a different entrepreneur faced with a similar or somewhat similar situation. So let's be real. It's easy to look at cases and say this decision in hindsight made them become successful versus someone else who made another who made the same decision or another decision and was not successful. I mean, you can look at a number of cases and draw conclusions. You may apply certain principles taught in business school. You may do market research, find ways to manage risk. You may develop unique proposition and marketing strategies, but none of that guarantees success. So yes, you can learn certain principles to help you in your entrepreneurship journey, but none of that is what guarantees success. So what guarantees success? I mean, there has to be something that makes people successful. There has to be at least one common trait all successful entrepreneurs have in common. As I thought about it, I also had the answer right then and there. I knew it was a belief, a certain knowing, an unshakable faith. Whether it comes from having great mentors that support them, having a particular resource or an unfair advantage, but it has to do with belief. The belief that they are going to be successful and whatever they are aiming to achieve is going to work. I believe, I believe that's the one single factor, if I had to pick one, that every success, successful entrepreneur has. And so in some cases, you see people that are highly doubted, but still hold that belief and take inspired action with the belief that it will work. I would think that has to do with self-image. Again, no one will outperform their self-image. If you don't think you can do something, it's unlikely you'll be able to do it. If you don't think you deserve to be rich, it's unlikely you'll be rich. If you don't think you can become a president, it's unlikely you'll become a president because you will not even do the things you need to do. At, uh, you will not even do the things you need to do or at the first sign of hardship, you're going to give up. Right? So if you retain anything from today's episode... If you care for anybody, if you want to see anybody become successful, build their self-confidence, build their self-image. Because the successful entrepreneur, the successful executive, the successful partner, the successful person is not necessarily the smartest one. It is the person who has, who has a good self-image, a person who has self-confidence, often nurtured by their upbringing. And this is especially for parents. See, if you are always criticizing your child, his or her self-image takes a beating because you are telling them they are unfit. But if you encourage your child, you are building a strong self-image. You are building a confident young person who is going to grow into a confident leader. And as as that is the experience, It's probably what is going to be reflected in their relationship with others. And for anybody that has taken a lot of criticism, it doesn't mean you cannot succeed. You may simply have to check and maybe work on your self-image. You have to believe in yourself because you've got it. You've got it. I know you do. We are more resilient than we even realize. 
It just takes awareness sometimes to correct certain things. So if you take anything away from today's episode, be supportive of the people you love. How do you talk to them? Are you being supportive or are you being negative? I can give you some example. If people even had situation, I could talk them through them. You just have to become aware and mindful of how you talk to the people you care about. For example, I, recent, I recently told this to my sister-in-law. See, my brother is somebody who's very entrepreneurial. He always has ideas. And I was talking with his fiance, and she was mentioning something to the effect that he always has ideas, but he's always changing his mind and, and this and that. I told her, be careful of how you talk. It sounds like you are criticizing him and complaining about him going into this conversation of don't do this, don't do that, or I told you so. I told, I told her, be careful. You don't want to do that. You want to work with him, communicate in a constructive manner with him. You want to encourage and support him. It's more productive to be aligned and support each other. Focus on what you are each working on and support him, support each other. If you are criticizing him, it's likely he will be criticizing you too. You have to intentionally and mindfully support each other until it becomes second nature. The alternative will not be a great great partnership. People People know when they mess up. So you don't want to make your partner or the people you care about feel like they've messed up. Believe me or not, even the successful people mess up. But you can't beat them down. Failure is part of success. As long as you see those failure, quote-unquote, I mean, I say quote-unquote because really failure is part of success. And it becomes a failure when you give up. And you give up you when you have been beaten down or when you stop believing, right? But as long as you understand that failure is part of success and you know you can use your perception, one of your higher faculties, and look at failure as a lesson learned, and that's, that's what successful people understand. They are not afraid of failing. A great, a, a great example of this is Thomas Edison, who by any measure was a successful inventor, well known for his invention of the incandescent, incandescent light. He is said to have failed over a thousand times, maybe more, before figuring it out. Thomas Edison said he failed, that every time he failed, he just learned a way not to do it. In a way, that's a scientific process even. You develop a hypothesis, an idea, you observe, try, if you fail, you make adjustments and repeat again until the, the, the hypothesis is confirmed by positive test results. You can also think of the, ex- the, the, the baseball player example that I mentioned the first, in the first episode of the podcast, who strikes out more than they, they, who strike out more than they hit the ball. So perceived failure, failures are part of the process, part of the success. And to take, it, to take it even further, a failure is really a guidance from God. Because think about it, right? As you make plans to accomplish a task or a goal, think about everything that has to work out perfectly for your plan to work out as planned. You don't even know what's going to happen when you wake up in the morning. You don't know what's going to happen in the next two hours when you take your car and drive to the store. You don't even know if you're going to make it, to be honest. There are so many variables. 
See, for everything that has to happen right for your plan to work, there's so much that's out of your control. So when it doesn't work, you can either feel like you fail or understand that it is God's guidance helping you on your path to success. And who are the people around you when that happens? Is it people beating you down and telling you, oh, you fell because you didn't listen to me. I told you so. Had you done this, had you done that, you wouldn't be in this situation. Always in hindsight, right? Or is it people supporting you and telling you, you still got it. Maybe you do not realize it in times of hardship, but I'm telling you, you've got it. Continue to have belief in yourself and your ability to achieve what you set out to achieve because you've got what it takes. I'm telling you, you've got it. As you want people to support you, remember, always support people around you. Show them your support. Do not go around criticizing people because anytime you do that, it's always from a limited perspective from your limited perspective, what I call a crisp, set, a crisp set perspective. And I will definitely talk about the idea of crisp set soon. But remember, when you criticize or judge someone, it is always from a limited perspective that is yours. And you're not helping anybody. So I know for anybody that wants to be supported or wants to have the support of their peers or the people that they love or who love them, They want to be supportive of those people. It happens in your thoughts. It happens with your words. It happens with your actions. Ask yourself whether you are being supportive, whether you are uplifting people around you, or whether you are just beating them down. At any moment, you can choose to be supportive and to accept the support of people around you. This concept of self-image is very, very important to understand. It's like a control mechanism. It can solve a lot of trouble for people. Often, it is the real source of troubles for a lot of people. And I wanted to address it today because, in fact, I believe it is one, probably the first aspect of personal development. I believe there are three phases to personal development and growth for most people anyway. The first one being limiting belief or eliminating limiting beliefs. The second one is finding one's purpose. And the third phase is uh, creating habits and flow. With regards to limiting beliefs, you have to become aware of them and continuously aim to improve your self-image through eliminating those self-limiting beliefs and healing from any past trauma, which includes any feeling of inadequacy. In In regard to finding a purpose, it doesn't have to be a special talent like singing or drawing or a specific thing that you are on earth to do. No, it's more about what you like to do. How do you live a fulfilled life? What makes you happy? And yes, it can be a combination of things. And the third phase is building habits and flow. And there are so many layers to this. It's not just about creating habits and staying in it. 
Habitant flow is just a state in which you are in constant movement, right? And you can be in a habitant flow of reinventing yourself or improving yourself, creating new habits and staying in a flow. You can be in a flow of creating new habits of improving yourself. So those are the three phases I believe most aspects of self-development fall in. Limiting beliefs or just beliefs, becoming aware of the areas you need to heal, the areas you need to improve from, and then finding the things that you like, and then creating habits and flow around those things and continue to grow. It's important to be mindful of the state you often find yourself in, and you will notice the connection with your beliefs. Pause. Take a moment. It's really fascinating when you think about this stuff. Examine your beliefs. Are they healthy beliefs? Are they serving you? Notice, you can change your beliefs if they don't serve you anytime. You just have to become aware of this and how they impact your life. The last thing I wanted to discuss is the idea of perfection. I also thought about making an episode on it, but it will likely be a recurring theme. In the first episode, I talked about perfect imperfection or perfect imperfectionism. It's the idea of moving away from perfection. Because the idea of perfection assumes that there is a standard. A standard means that everybody is compared to an ideal person. And that's assuming that everybody is the same. We are similar in several respects, but we are also not the same in the sense that we have different experiences. You know, we have different preferences. We experience emotions and the world in general differently. We are all unique individuals. It is a fallacy that we are all supposed to behave and be a certain way. It's an idea we we need to move away from because people tend to compromise themselves to try to meet certain standards. The idea of perfection assumes that there is a standard of there's a standard perfect being. Even if that's the case, are you perfect all the time? Or is there a time when you reach perfection? And then what? Perfect and perfectionism means you are perfect as you are without needing to be like anybody else. We are all perfect. We are all individually and uniquely perfect. And I think the idea of someone not being perfect reinforces the idea of being unfit and having a poor self-image. But then what does perfect look like? Is there an agreement for what perfect is like? What would be considered perfect for a particular circumstance would not work for a different circumstance, for example, right? And anytime there is an agreement, It is always from a limited perspective. What does this mean? For things to be true for everybody, there has to be some sort of definition around what is true. That's the notion notion of crisp set. I should probably define what what I mean by crisp, crisp set now. A crisp set is a mathematical term. And I'll probably make an episode to talk about that. 
uh, about crisp set versus fuzzy sets. In a crisp set or bivalent set, elements elements either belong to the set or they don't. And fuzzy sets is, is the idea that elements across sets share certain characteristics. See, to fit elements in a crisp set, you have to define the criteria that would determine which elements belong to the set. And as long as you define the criteria, you have limited the understanding or you have reduced that something to fit the criteria of the set. So for anything to be true, for multiple people, there has to be a definition of a set for those people to agree upon the same truth, a convention of some sort. And that is always from a limited perspective because the set criteria diminishes the the true essence of things to fit in any given set. For example, you can have a set of odd numbers below 10. And you can have another set of even numbers below 10. And you're going to have two separate sets with different sets of numbers within them, right? But the reality is that not only are all those numbers below 10, but most importantly, they are all numbers. See, to fit them in a set, you have to define certain criteria for them to fit in any given set based on the definition of the criteria that you have defined for the set. So if you think of a standard for perfection, it would be from a limited perspective always. The reality is that we are all perfect as we are. Anybody who thinks they are not perfect, it's a limiting belief that corrupts their self-image. And that may be one of our greatest challenge, the feeling of inadequacy, which I think is also, it's so challenging because it masquerades in different forms like fear of rejection or fear of abandonment or even aloofness or just feeling a certain way about being different. You know, I take pride in being different, in being unique. I take pride in understanding that I'm not like everybody else or anybody else. Or I can be, I, or I can be put in a box. And I think we all should be proud of being unique. And we should appreciate the uniqueness of other people. Because I believe that broadens our view and our understanding of the world we live in. It's part of expansion. Accepting, accepting other people's uniqueness and differences. If we expect everybody to fit a certain standard of quote-unquote perfection, we are, limiting other, we are limiting other people. We are limiting ourselves and our reality. Embrace who you are. Embrace your uniqueness. Anybody who tells you you are not perfect, miss the mark completely. They are doing that from a limited perspective. You are perfect as you are. We are all perfect individuals. All uniquely perfect. Perfect and perfectionism is about accepting who you are as being different from everybody else. Being unique. In a way, it's rejecting the idea of perfection. 
unless it's true imperfection. Even the idea of perfect imperfectionism as, as a philosophy carries a little bit of sarcasm in that term perfect imperfectionism, right? Because again, it's the rejection of anything quote-unquote perfect. Even the idea of imperfect, imperfectionism meaning a separation from, from perfection, right? And that imperfectionism implies sarcasm as that is what's perfect. <laughs> I told you there will be some light humor. But I hope that makes sense. I hope you get the point, uh, the point about the idea of perfection because that's just a fallacy. It's a limiting belief. Just be you without worrying about whether you are perfect or not. Just be you and you are perfect. You've got it. You've got it. And we've come to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed you enjoyed it. You enjoyed today's ideas. I hope a lot of it made sense. And I hope you think about these things and realize that you are a perfect individual. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and the ideas we talked about. I hope a lot of it makes sense. I hope you can think about these things and realize that you are a perfect individual and you want to protect who you are. And protecting who you are also means accepting people for who they are. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a great time. I know I always do. And I look forward to do more of these and uh, hearing from you and sharing more ideas in this perfect, imperfect world. You've got it. Thank you.